Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will continue on in the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with part one of this message entitled, The Charismatic Christian. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 44. Now here is our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We confess our greatest need. And our greatest need is you, your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fall afresh upon us. Abide with us. Empower us. Teach us. Direct our lives. Convict us of our sins. Humble us that we may receive God's grace. We need grace, O God. Mighty effusion of the Spirit be upon us that we may receive grace in abundance. O God, now help us to take things that we have put in our ears out. Open our ears, O God, that we may hear the very word of God declared to us. The word of God that is life. Word of God that saves us. Word of God that gives us hope. Word of God that comforts us. Word of God that drives away our fears. Word of God that makes us confident. Help us, O Lord, to hear your word, and be built up in the most holy faith. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 44, verses 1 through 5, and the, the burden of this passage is this, Fear not, tremble not, for this reason I will pour out my spirit upon you. What is the greatest need of our lives? What is the greatest need of this church and the church of God throughout the world? The answer is Holy Spirit of God. We need Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, as Nicene Creed puts it. So we must pray. O come Holy Spirit. And raise the dead. Convict us of our guilt. Make the weak strong. Teach the ignorant. Comfort the fearful. Enrich the poor with your heavenly gifts. Make the despised glorious. And guide the true church to rise and march in triumph to praise her Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ, who redeemed her not by silver or gold, but by his precious blood. We, the church of Jesus Christ, desire to be fearless, bold, charismatic, Christians. 
What is the difference between a believer and an unbeliever? Believer possesses the Holy Spirit. And the unbeliever has no Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. Chapter 2. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Verse 14. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, we live by natural instincts. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. And following its desires and thoughts. Such are dead in their sins, always indulging in the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, disorder, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and the list goes on. We need a new Pentecost. We need a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us that we all may prophesy. That we all may produce the fruit of the Spirit. That we all may receive power to live a holy life in this world. That we may resist temptation and resist Satan and obey Jesus Christ, the only Lord of the church. Who is a charismatic Christian? Who is a fearless Christian? He is the one who received the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He is the one who is regenerated by the Holy Spirit. He is the one upon whom the Holy Spirit comes, empowering him to serve God in this world. He is the one who is taught by the Holy Spirit. He is the one who is directed by the Holy Spirit daily. The Bible tells us our Heavenly Father gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. The truth is, Holy Spirit has been sent into this world, into the church on the day of Pentecost. And as far as I study the word of God, He has not gone back. To heaven. He is with the church forever. This is true. Yet we must pray for a fresh experiencing, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
that we may experience individually and corporately a Holy Ghost revival, not a revival of human energy. With this in mind, let us consider Isaiah 44, 1 through 5. And we are told that we should not fear, we should not tremble. And we are given many reasons. Of course, the greatest reason is that I will pour out my spirit. But there are other reasons. Let's look at the context of this passage. The context is Isaiah 43, verses 22 through 28, that tells us that Israel, the people of God, are in deep trouble. The people of God are loaded down with sin. Israel has experienced divine judgment. They are exiled. Jerusalem is destroyed. Temple is burned down. People are scattered. All because of their sins and their refusal to pay attention to the word of the prophets. The question now is, has God forgotten his people, his covenant purpose for his people? Has God forgotten it? Has God been unfaithful to his promise? The question is, will the stump of the tree of Israel sprout, flourish, and blossom again and bear fruit? But the glorious answer given is yes, 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 yes. God will revive his people. And so notice 43 and verse 18 through 21. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. This is God's purpose for his church, that we may proclaim his praise, and there will be a people throughout history who will proclaim his praise by the mighty operation of the Holy Spirit in the lives of God's people. God's purpose stands. God's election stands. God's promises shall be fulfilled in your life and in my life. And look at chapter 43 and verse 25. A most glorious statement of what God will do for his sinful people. Verse 25 of chapter 43. I, even I. The emphasis is on the sovereignty of God, the power of God, the might of God. The initiative is of God. I, even I, 
I'm he who blots out your transgressions, not because of your merit for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. Israel merited the wrath of God, but she will be saved. God does not give us here an explanation of how this amazing thing is going to happen. How the wrath of God can be removed from the people of God who merited it. We are not told about it, how it's going to happen. But he will reveal to us as we read on. And as we come to the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. It will tell us how the sinful Israel can be saved, justified and blessed. By the substitutionary death of the Messiah, the suffering servant upon whom the Spirit of God will come and rest without measure. And he, as the anointed priest and prophet and king, will bring deliverance to his people by suffering the death on the cross. So come to 44th chapter of Isaiah. It says, but now listen, listen. I don't know whether you understand there are earplugs you can buy. And you stick it in your ears and it blows up and completely covers your ears so that you hear nothing. I have a number of pairs in my bag. And what the Holy Spirit is saying, it is time you took all that out. That the very word of God may come to your heart, through your ears, listen People with problems and troubles and guilt. God is about to speak. The word of salvation. Word of hope. Word of reconciliation. Word of blessing. Listen. Jacob. God is speaking in grace. To his sinful people. Though they are sinful. They are his people. And we are given a number of reasons. I just want to list them. Number one, listen, O Jacob. Well, that's reason number one, Jacob. Who is Jacob? Means deceiver, supplanter. Yet the truth is, God's favor rests upon him. He is elect sinner. Number two, it says, my servant. According to the Bible, a servant of God means it is a position of trust, a position of honor. Abraham was called his servant and friend. So Moses, Joshua, David, Jesus. It is a high privilege to be called God's servant. We have been the servants of the devil. But he called us, liberated us from his slavery and made us servants of God. There is no neutrality here. 
either you serve the devil or you serve the living and true God for which purpose he created us. That's a reason that we shouldn't fear. Number three, it says, Israel, my servant Israel. Now you know the story of Israel, how Jacob was called Israel. Israel means prevailing prince. Jacob was fighting and wrestling against God. And all of a sudden, this Jacob is changed into Israel by a mighty operation of divine touch on the source of his strength. He touched on the hollow of his thigh. Jacob was a wrestler and he needs strength and his strength is gone and instantly he fell down and he began to cling to this one and he began to cry and he began to pray. And no wonder Saint Paul says, my strength is perfected in your weakness. And in the weakness, he is addressed as Israel, a mighty prince. Not by opposing God, but by surrendering to him, by praying to him, by clinging to him, we become Israel. That's the reason we are God's Israel. <laughs> Therefore, fear not the ideas. Number four, it says, whom I have chosen. Now, if you know Hebrew, it is in the perfect tense. That means it's a finished act. That means it is an irrevocable act on the part of God. And this means what? God is not going to change his mind about his electing us in love before we were born, before we were conceived, before the creation of the world. Yea, from all eternity he chose us as a finished act. He's not going to change his mind. He never changes his mind in spite of all our sins and wickedness and failures. That's the reason, says, don't be afraid. Not only that, we are told here, he who made you, he who made you, God is our maker. And this position never changes. He is always our maker. Nobody else is our maker. He is our maker. He, he has an interest in us. And he chose Abraham. He formed a nation out of him. The Lord is the maker of Israel. Therefore, don't be afraid. Don't tremble. See, I, I, in my life, I, I have feared and I have trembled. I have done that. I still do. And then I will look into the book. And I stop trembling. And I stop fearing. Because God is my maker. And not only number, reason number six. God is our mother. And it says, notice, who formed you in the womb. God formed us in the womb. 
also covenant Lord as a mother. He conceived and brought forth Israel. How can he forget and abandon his own child? Yes, we read in the psalm, father and mother may forsake us, but he will not forsake us. Turn to Isaiah 66. God is pictured in terms of mother. In verse Isaiah 66 and verse 13, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. And you will be comforted over Jerusalem. That's why we are not. Number seven, here is the reason. Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant. And then says, Jeshurun. Israel is called Jeshurun. It is amazing. (laughs) God can do this. He takes a Jacob (laughs) and transforms him into Jeshurun. He takes a sinner and transforms him to Jeshurun. What is Jeshurun? The word un, the, the, the ending un, U-N, means my dear, my darling. It is an affection. It expresses intense affection. And the rest of the word comes from a Hebrew word, yashar, means straight, righteous, And so Jeshurun means my darling, the righteous one. Now this is amazing, you see. Jacob is crooked. He is twisted. He's a deceiver. But our God is able to make the crooked straight. God takes some Jacobs. He justifies some Jacobs and make them Jeshurun's. He's able to straighten us out. <laughs> so I, I have great hope in God. God is going to straighten me out and he's going to straighten you out. <laughs> and he has done the work and he is already calling us Jeshurun, my darling righteous one. That's why it said fear not. It is the name of great affection of the Father. It is the name of Israel in the family of God. You don't know, I have a name. Only my parents and other relatives use when they address me. It is known only in the family. Even so, we all have a name known only in God's family. It is Jeshurun, my darling, the righteous one. We all have this name. In and through of his beloved, darling, righteous one, Jesus Christ. Balaam prayed. This is what Balaam prayed. I want to die the death of Yesharim, means the righteous ones, referring to Israel. But he died the death of the wicked. We are the Yesharim, as we read in Numbers 23.10. God has taken some Jacobs, some crooked ones. And in his electing love, he chose them and he has straightened them out. 
justified freely by his grace. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Hallelujah. Number eight. Let's come back to number eight, which I skipped here in verse two. The, it says, and who will help you? Well, that's interesting. It means I will help you. I will help you. That is a guarantee. That is a promise. I will help you. The Lord promises to help Jacob, Israel. What's your problem? And we know from 43rd chapter, the problem is their sin, their guilt. That's our problem. That's everybody's problem, sin. Otherwise, we would fellowship with God and we love God. Otherwise, our problem is sin. All right, God says, okay, that's your problem. I'll help you with your problem. I'll help you with your problem. Here is the problem, verse 28 of 43rd chapter. So I will disgrace the dignitaries of your temple and I will consign Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. That's our problem because of sin. And yet all of a sudden, 44th chapter begins by saying, but now some change has come over. But now the Lord promises to help us. Now the word help, I will help you, is in the imperfect tense in the Hebrew language. That means this. That the Lord will help you again and again and again and again and again and again until the day you die. He'll help you. The Lord will continue to help as long as you need help. It is not just a one-time help. You can count on his help always. Come to him in prayer, ask, seek, and knock. He is ever ready to hear and help you. What a comfort to us, this promise. The Lord himself will help us. We need help of God's people. Isn't that true? And a lot of people told me they'll help me. They said, I'll help you. Well, some did, but some did not. Uh, We need help of God's people, but we need God's help more. Man may or may not help you. He can or he cannot help you. He will promise, but he dies the next moment. But here, the eternal God, the sovereign Lord, the Lord of the covenant promises, I'll help you. I'll help you when you go. I'll help you when you come. I'll help you with your studies. I'll help you. With your work. (laughs) I'll help you. With your marriage. I'll help you. When you study the word of God. I'll help you especially when you are praying. You don't know what to pray or how to pray. The Bible says the spirit helps our infirmities. I'll help you. And look at the help that he gave us on the cross. There it is. He helped us. And remove the guilt, the wrath, the sin, the fear, the death, the defeat. He helped us. Hallelujah. Man's help is changing. But God's help is unchanging. Turn with me to the 25th verse of 43rd chapter. 
Here is the help, really. What is it? I, even I, am he who blots out your transgression. It's an interesting word, blot. Uh, it is used uh, elsewhere with this meaning. You have dirty dishes. Huh? And what do you do? You wash it clean. Complete clean cleansing. That it glistens. And that's the idea. He blots out our sin, our guilt, that he remembers it no more. It will never rise up and haunt you. What a blessing. That is real help. Isn't that true? That I can stand before God unafraid, clothed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. My sins have been forgiven. That's great help. And he gave us his irreproachable divine righteousness. Clothed in it we come to the presence of God to worship. And he receives us. He accepts us. He communes with us. He speaks to us. He loves us. He embraces us. Because he has blotted out our transgressions and remembers our sin no more. He helps us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isaiah 41. Look at Isaiah 41. And verse 10. It says. So do not fear. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. And what? Help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hallelujah. The right hand he used. To defeat Pharaoh, the right hand he used to save his people is always coming to your aid. The sovereign, the almighty power of God, the omnipotence of God comes to your aid to help you. Therefore, what? Do not fear, do not tremble. Look at verse 13 of 41, chapter 41. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you what? Do not fear what? I will help you. I'll help you. Oh, I like this. I can use that in any situation. Oh God, help me. The disciples were sinking. The boat was filled with water and water. They said, help me, oh God. And God helped him. Peter was sinking into the, into the waters and he said, Lord, help me. And he stretched out his hand, help. He helps you because you are his people. And look at verse 14 of Isaiah 41. Do not be afraid, O worm, Jacob. That's a, that's a pretty good self-esteem. Whenever you call yourself worm, you are all right. Because the promise is given to worm. <laughs> not to anybody. Not to the giants. Not to Goliath. It's given to worm. Truly repenting. People with beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Not the arrogant. And we could say blessed are, blessed are the worms. Do not be afraid of worm Jacob. Oh little Israel. <laughs> Maybe he's speaking about me. Little Israel. For I myself will help you. Well, he can easily send angels. And he does. But here the promise is what? Not angels. I myself will what? 
help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Or turn with me to the <coughs> Matthew chapter 15. And you know the story. The story is of a Gentile, a Canaanite woman outside of the covenant of Israel. Heard about Jesus Christ and his wonder-working powers. And her daughter is demonized. And she comes to him. Crying out, Matthew 15 and verse 22. Lord, son of David. You see, a lord of, lord of Israelites did not confess this. Here is understanding. Calling Jesus, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. And the Lord tries her faith and refuses to help her. And she's not going to go away. She has no plan B. This is the only plan. If it doesn't work, nothing is going to work. So she stays and stays and stays. And look at Matthew 15 and verse 25. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And the Lord helped her. The Lord helped her. Oh, he tried her faith and said the bread is for children and not for dogs. And, and oh, what humility, she said. That's what I'm a Gentile. I don't deserve it. I'm a dog, but dog must eat. I'm not just a wild dog. I'm a dog, a pet dog under the table. And I have one, you know. And it comes there, of course, she is fed, but comes again, and all of a sudden you are eating, and then a little bit something. And my wife says, don't do that, but you see, <laughs> that's the way it is. And what humility, you see, God gives grace to whom? To the humble. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And he says, don't be afraid, I'll help you. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter 2. And let me read this, beginning with verse uh, 16. For surely it is not angels he helps, <laughs> but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people as help. Because he himself suffered, when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. The one who died on the cross is the one who is able to help us. He's not helping angels. He's helping you, Abraham's descendants, God's chosen people. Or turn to the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews. And look at verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And the grace of God secured by the Lord Jesus Christ by his death on the cross is coming to you. You approach the throne of grace with confidence, ask for mercy, ask for grace, ask for help, and you receive help. See, I feel sorry for ourselves when 
we don't receive that help and we go in our own strength like Goliath and and we are cut down you don't need to do that god says i will help you that's a promise you can count on or turn to the 13th chapter of this is very important we preach from this 13th chapter of hebrews verse 5 and 6 keep your lives free from love of money and be content with what you have because god has said never will i leave you never will i forsake you so we say with confidence the lord is my helper i will not be afraid what can man do to me everything is all right <laughs> there is no need for fearing you are jacob that's true crooked <laughs> but you are god's jacob hallelujah you are god's servant praise you oh god you are israel prevailing prince before god you are the one god has chosen and he is not going to change his mind god elected you you are god's elect what caused him to elect his own love not our merit god is our maker isn't that he made us and god is our mother he conceived in his womb and he gave birth we are his and he's going to take care of us and finally <laughs> we are jeshurun god's dear darling righteous ones how come we are righteous through his beloved son who is his darling the one and only son jesus christ our lord in him we are also accepted and we have become his dear darling children and the god lavishes us with his affections hallelujah he will never give up on you <laughs> hallelujah not only that he says i'll help you that's god's guarantee that's god's promise man may fail us man may lie man may may be not able to do what he promised because he just died but god cannot lie every promise every promise in jesus christ is what a and amen not only he promises but he fulfills let me ask you do we have any reason to fear heavenly father we pray that you help us to trust in your promise you are our god you will help us and above all you will pour out your spirit upon us and you have poured your spirit upon us oh god why is there a desert because there is no water the moment water comes desert begins to bloom and blossom god pour out your spirit upon us come holy spirit refresh us rejuvenate us strengthen us vitalize us raise the dead make the church to rise and march forward in confidence uh, in triumph in Jesus Christ to declare the gospel of Christ we pray in Jesus name amen you have been listening to grace and glory audio 
presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.